Welcome to episode 27 in the Kips Personal Trainer Application Podcast. My name is Tyler Valencia and I'm the president of Kips and Kettlebell Concepts. As a strength coach or personal trainer, we've probably seen or come across strongman implements, but how do they fit into an athletic training program? In this episode, we have Nick O'Brien, who is one of the assistant strength coaches at Fresno State University, where he primarily oversees the baseball, wrestling, and women's field hockey team. Nick is also an amateur strongman and heavy athletic Highland Games competitor. Nick starts this episode by going through some of the misconceptions of strongman training and then provides his insight into how a strength coach can implement strongman training with their athletes. Let's get to the episode. For this episode's podcast, we have a unique topic to talk about, but also how this episode came together. Our guest for the day is part of the strength and conditioning staff for Fresno State, and I had joined in on a online clinic they had done during the pandemic, and the guest that we have, my buddy Nick O'Brien, he was talking about strongman training, which is something that does interest me, but is as a hobby as well to watch on TV, but it's something that many coaches might be unaware of or even how they can implement in it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Nick, let's kick things off. What are some of the misconceptions you've generally seen with implementing strongman events into athletic training programs? Yeah, first off, I appreciate you having me on, Tyler. It's uh, good to talk to you again, man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, in terms of misconceptions, I think most people, when they actually see strongman for the first time, um, you don't see it as a competition. You don't see it in the gym or a training environment. You probably see it as a clip from like World's Strongest Man. So honestly, when you're seeing that, you're seeing the best of the best, probably the top 10 guys at that point, if you're not watching the first group stages. And there are large men doing extremely heavy events at the top level um, in front of spectators and a random country like that's the first inclination that you kind of see of strongman and that's what's kind of envisioned in people's minds so a lot of the misconceptions that you first see when you're thinking about strongman is it's only for large people it's only for men it's only extremely heavy weird events i mean they're pulling tractor trailers deadlifting cars um a lot of unique things in that regard if if you're normally um, used to a gym setting or barbells or kettlebells or anything along those lines. The other kind of ones that you see as a mis uh, misinterpretation for strongman training is that it can only benefit strongmen and maybe only contact sports if you're thinking of a team setting. And some people I've heard in other aspects too say, "All right, this is only this is pretty unskilled. It's only for meatheads and it's riddled with injuries." So. Those are the big things that you kind of see anybody that's first getting introduced to it or um, is first coming across it for the first time. And I could say that without a doubt that all those misconceptions are untrue and just strongman training in general and both implementing it. Um, there's women's classes, there's master's classes for the actual sport, and it's starting to become even more common to see things like sandbags and even farmers handles and and yokes or unconventional equipment like kegs and um and frame carries and even trap bars and stuff can be utilized in a different form of of carries like strongman so 
I think all the misconceptions that you're starting to see can be disproved pretty quickly. It's just what you're accustomed to seeing and your training stage when you're actually getting involved in any sort of strength training. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I think that all these sort of training implements and modalities that are involved in strongman can be easily disproved by just having the ability to try them and see it in a different sort of context, whether it be not professional, like those world's strongest men guys are seeing just a local competition where you might see some national level guys potentially, but it's a lot of people trying it for the first time. I think the biggest class whenever you go to a strongman competition locally is the novice class. And usually that's the one that's being open to a lot more people. It might be someone getting out of team sports for the first time, trying something new, um, just want to challenge themselves. There's a lot of different classes that end up popping up in different gym settings that are strongman conditioning or strongman groups kind of preparing for a local competition. So it really disproves that fact. And the same thing with, um, with youth athletes too. We all know there's a lot of misconceptions with the age which athletes should begin actually barbell training or any sort of strength development. And, and strongman's a great case for actually being able to implement it. There's context to everything. So again, when you're looking at world's strongest man, you're looking at the top level guys. Those are the top in the entire world. So being able to scale that back and see things for as they are really disproves those misconceptions. And the same with the injuries. Um, those guys are going to push themselves and there's an inherent risk to any sort of strength training and conditioning elements that you're going to be involved in. So understanding those risks and be able to properly apply those modalities and implement them into a proper program from a coach is going to disprove those injuries right away. And it's a very skilled sport. Um, if some people joke about it is the strong version of CrossFit, I won't go that far to say it, but at the end of the day, there you're incorporating lots of different events, lots of different odd objects that you're pressing, pulling, deadlifting, carrying. There's medleys. There's a conditioning element to it. Uh, it's over the course of a day, two days, even more sometimes. So there's a lot to actually balance and be involved in that, including weight cuts and strategy involved in when you're going to do the events and, and a lot of that stuff. So pretty much every misconception you can think of that I've commonly heard of strongmen is pretty inaccurate. Agreed. Agreed. And when people start to talk about the different events or even just we'll say if they're trying to implement into a training program, some of the, just how you pointed out the misconceptions when they look at the events and think maybe it's injury prone, or I would say, what is the difference? I'll say in terms of not, this isn't a question, but when you look, let's say, let's take a plank exercise. What are you trying to accomplish there? But then all of a sudden you take a coach and also they discover paloff presses. They're like, oh, wow, this is so much better than a plank. So then now let's take that same coach. Let's introduce them to uh, sandbag carries. I mean, the training effect, I would, I would say that you were going to get some type of similar benefit. And for coaching, the coaching aspect, whether it's athletes or the general pop, these types of events, I would say, are more stimulating. And this is that's just one um, 
viewpoint right there. And I talked about this in previous podcasts with guests about the stimulus and the, uh, we'll say the, the excitement of the client getting them to buy into your training and introduce them to new items. And some people might think, oh, planks are super boring, but let's 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 try something else with them. And here's where strongman training could come into uh, play with them. But before we get to the next question, something that popped in my mind for those tuning into this episode, where if they were just to type in strongman training on Google or any search engine, what would you say are the resources they want to uh, click on to find out more information about local competitions, or even if they just wanted to go to attend just to watch, what are those kind of resources? Yeah, there's a, and like you were saying, I, I completely agree with the points you were making. Um, in terms of actually finding competitions, this is where it kind of gets a little fickle. There's some good mm-hmm. resources um, for educational information like Elite FTS and Barben and Starting Strongman. Um, there's a lot of other smaller ones too that kind of pop up. I mean, there's still articles on T Nation and some of those other forums where you can find information. And YouTube's a great resource too. Um, a lot of the professional guys are actually doing their own versions of blogs or going through their training leading up to competitions, which is great. In terms of actually finding one to observe and see one in person, um, honestly, as much as I hate it, Facebook is a big thing because events and like Eventbrite and stuff like that, if you type it in, you can start to see stuff pop up. Um, USS, United States Strongman and NAS, North American Strongman Corporation, are the two kind of big governing bodies in uh, the United States. So those two, usually competitions are going to be sanctioned by one of those two. So if you actually go to their websites, you can go to the event list and you can see um, what competitions are coming up. It'll have entry forms. It'll have the dates. You can go through the calendar version and see where those are. Um, there are some local competitions that end up being hosted uh, that aren't sanctioned. So you can go and try one of those out. In some places, I know some gyms will actually do almost a hands-on course where they'll take you through a lot of strongman events or that's the best place to really get involved if you're considering doing it. But if you want to see a well-run competition like that, your best bets are going to starting strongman, uh, North American strongman or uh, USS United States strongman and looking through theirs and seeing where a competition's coming up when, and if you're interested in doing it, signing up there because they have a lot more information as well on the events the procedures, the weight classes, and all that. Nice, nice. That's good info. Um, so prefacing this next question, Nick is a assistant strength and conditioning coach at Fresno State in California, and he is also a competitor in the Highland Games. He does strongman competitions. If you go to his Instagram, you'll see him training these events, implementing them into already his normal training, which is great to see that implementation so, but Nick, with your own teams that you work with, I've seen that you've worked with base, the baseball team there, the wrestling team, I think the women's, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, is it the field hockey or is it the soccer team? So now, yeah, so now I have, uh, I have wrestling, baseball, women's across, women's volleyball, and then um, okay. I oversee a few other teams, but those are the four that I directly are involved with. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And so I, I know, because we've talked about before that you've implemented some of this training from experience wise, what are some of the benefits that you've seen with the teams you've worked maybe psychologically, but also physiologically? What are those some of those benefits? Yeah. And you, you kind of touched on one right off the bat. I think one of the big things outside of just the physical element is the psychological side and the benefits that you actually see from strongman training. Um, in terms of overall development, I think there's really four main benefits that I see and two kind of secondary byproducts that we get from adding this into our strength training program. And like you mentioned, I use them in different capacities and at different times um, with all my teams. Um, we're going to incorporate it in some shape, form, or fashion. I, like, I, like you said, I compete in Strongman Highland Games. I love both the sports, but the same thing I do when I pitch this to my athletes coming on a recruiting visit or their first time on campus, even the weight room, they're not here to train. It, they need to do it and to compete at a high level. You need to be involved in the weight room and what I have to offer and the coaching that we're going to put forth. But at the end of the day, my goal is to make sure that I put the best athlete healthy on the field, ready, prepared to play. And the coaches are the ones that actually go through the sports specific side of it and make sure that I give them a better product so they can have a better team to perform. So in terms of the benefits we get, um, I'm looking at it, like I said, for four main benefits. I'm thinking of three-dimensional movements, so multi-planar training. Like you said, from a sandbag or from any sort of carry, you're going to get a lot of different contralateral pull. You have isometric points in time. You have turning and change of direction with an actual implement, an odd implement usually. Um, the other benefit we're looking at is variety. They're odd implements. They're stuff that you're not normally going to see. Uh, you're going to be carrying them in a different fashion. You're going to be picking them up in a different fashion. So it's very different. And the variety that you can add and incorporate into a program makes it interesting and it doesn't bore athletes. And those kind of touch on the other two. It's novel to them. So, yeah, we want to be safe with how we implement the things, but at the same time, you don't want to bore them with how trainings evolve. Like we said, they love their sport. If I'm a baseball athlete, I love baseball. I might not necessarily love training, but if I can get them to buy into the fact that training is going to help them compete at a higher level at baseball, they might come to appreciate it. But honestly, in college, I kind of can make them do it, which is different in a general setting. So, and then the other things are the novelty and it's fun. Um, I try to add that into the program. It's an interesting way of executing work. So being able to add variety, novelty and fun in it and working in those three dimensional movements is great. Uh, the other things, like you said, psychological side of it, the mental aspect. And it's like what I like to coin as strongman strength, quote unquote, it's physical culture. It's a mindset. Um, it's that kind of indomitable will, your ability to pers uh, persevere through adversity. And that's one of the pillars from my coaching philosophy. It's mental resiliency. Um, I know it's a big buzzword is mental toughness, but honestly, by the time you're born and you're done kind of growing, you're already tough as you're going to be. All right. Resiliency is making sure that if something's pushed on you, you're going to bounce back. 
and you can withstand that load. You can withstand anything being thrown at you. And then the other big thing is competition. Everything that I want to do in the weight room should be competitive. They're athletes. They want to compete. They want to push themselves, whether it be a new number, a faster time, beating their teammate, racing, whatever it ends up being. But those two are huge importance. You just can't quantify them. So when you're actually telling coaches this, you're telling athletes that you can preach, oh, this is going to make you tougher, more resilient. We're going to add competition to it, but you can't really gauge it. The other ones you can gauge that this is going to be a direct benefit. But at the end of the day, um, the benefits completely outweigh the risks, everything I'm doing. And I, I love the aspect of adding it to the program. And I think the athletes do as well because of those reasons. Yeah. 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 My, one of the items that actually you and I spoke about months ago was these medleys, these end of, I think it was kind of like an end of season competition that I'd seen on Instagram that you were posting about. And the last team that I had worked with that were athletes were high school baseball athletes. And I'd reached out just to get an idea of kind of what you were doing with them with these medleys and you were incorporating some, I'll call it traditional stuff, but also some strongman stuff. Can you maybe give some examples of the exercises that you would include in, in these medleys? Yeah. So we, we've added, um, I know the one you're specifically talking about, we've uh, added a lot of different kind of medleys. And when, when I say medley for strongmen, we're basically saying two events kind of superset it together, back-to-back events. Um, just kind of strongman style because if you, one of the other misconceptions for strongman is we're not in very good shape and, <laughs> and conditioning wise, which that one's harder to disprove because I could, I could agree on both sides of that one. But in terms of what you were talking about with the medley and the kind of the competition element, um, one of the big ones that we do here at Fresno is uh, baseball's Omaha challenge. So, Basically, we have a draft and we get the guys ready at the tail end of our fall season leading into the winter break. And we have a competition where we have four captains chosen. We go through a draft and coming back from Thanksgiving, we have a five day event. So their training incorporates, like you said, a little bit of traditional movements. For us, it's some testing um, post season for us, like post developmental season. And then we add some random elements, whether team team games or strongman stuff specifically within them. And I think, was it last year? Same thing. We go Monday through Friday. Uh, we meet in a different location. I'll, I'll give the captains a different set of very vague cryptic instructions about what to do, where to go, what to prepare for. And then we go from there. Last year, uh, or two years ago, I think we did, we did our lifting test. We did a grip challenge, um, like a barbell hang. We do their conditioning tests. We played kickball. Um, and then we had one day that was just strongman only. So we did a long series of a prowler push to a pull, to a row, uh, to a partner carry in between the football lines. So, there, there's definitely a lot of different elements and ways that you can incorporate uh, strongman training in different medleys or different competition variations. And 
that one I think is just the the hype that the guys get from it because they know at the end of the fall it's like an accumulation that we know we're going to do the Omaha Challenge at this point. We don't know necessarily what's going to be involved in it, but I love putting some strongman elements into it and mm -hmm. challenging the guys so that they either have to work by themselves individually or they have to work in a team atmosphere and, and accomplish a goal with a lot of those strongman training elements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a good segue into this next question. And you touched on it briefly already with uh, the trap bar, but equipment I would say is probably the part of that some coaches, whether you're in a traditional setting or you're a strength coach, that you're like, oh, we don't have some of that equipment. And I know that in the lecture that I watched you uh, talk on this, this subject, you talked about other ways to implement quote unquote strong mind training with stuff that you have in your gym. Can you give some of those recommendations for strength coaches or even general uh, personal trainers? Yeah, for sure. Like I kind of mentioned before, you're starting to see it. It's not becoming so underground and niche as it was kind of when I started or way before that. Um, some of the guys that I looked up to, they were training in random places and the most of the equipment you had, you made. And then by the time you got to a competition, that's when you actually got your hands on the real strongman implements. Um, there's a lot more companies that are coming out and making products that are easily accessible so you can train strongman by yourself, kind of like I do, or uh, other gym settings that are getting it. But in terms of actually implementing within your program, you probably already have a lot of implements that you have access to currently that you could actually do a lot of strongman training with. Um, sleds and prowlers are a big one. Trap bars are the other one that a lot of people already have access to in their, in their gyms right away, whether it be um, backwards drags, forward drags, um, arm over arm pulls, prowler pushes, um, and then trap bars, frame carries, and I have seen a lot of people, and I've done it before, um, do a lot of neutral pressing overhead or deadlifts. Deadlifts are big in strongman. That's one of the big foundational events. So if you have one of those three, you're pretty much set. You can do a lot of events right off the bat with that stuff. And that's kind of how I classify it um, when you're actually going about considering uh, purchasing equipment. So obviously space is very important and stuff with all this because um, a lot of strongman events you have to move and pretty much those three we just talked about except for a deadlift, the prowler, the sled, and the trap bar. If you want to do the majority of those strongman type movements, they are moving events where you actually have to have space to carry them, drag them, or push them. So... But outside of that, that's when you can, if you're actually training for strongman and you want to consider adding this for athletes or for a team setting, then that's when you kind of start bumping up and getting closer and closer to more strongman specific um, implements that you might see in a competition. But I think if you're considering it, especially for me with team sports, we don't really get that high up into those tiers. I've never had any of my athletes use atlas stones or um, do circus dumbbell presses or anything like that because it's not their sport already 
So the risk reward kind of gets out of place with those sort of things. And again, you have to have the equipment and those are very unique pieces of equipment that honestly, strongman is pretty dumb. It's pretty stupid. So if you get equipment like that, it literally might only have one purpose. So you're not going to see a lot of those things in gyms. But if you have access to some of the traditional stuff, like we mentioned, you can do a lot of training strongman style specifically with that, that you probably already have access to now. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was a good little hit at the strongman because I think that that goes into, of course, the misconceptions with items. And I mean, the only times I've seen some of these uh, pieces of equipment in person have been at strongman gyms, but rarely did I ever see them being used like the, uh, like the deadlifts with the humongous, uh, I don't even know what they're called, the humongous balls on the side. Oh, yeah, um, yeah and the different types like that. But uh, with teams specifically, I mean, you can, exactly how you said, you can implement varieties into it. And something that would actually be good for the listeners right now is actually talking about the, I'll say handful of events that a strongman will do in a competition. I didn't know this until I watched a documentary. I didn't, I, I, off the top of my head, I know there's a carry, there's some type of deadlift variation. Um, and, uh, an overhead press, I think. Can you explain those types of events or what those uh, traditional events are? Yeah. The The cool thing about Strongman, uh, along with variety and novelty, like we discussed, is that competitions usually vary a lot, whether it be the implement, um, location, how it's split up. Um, if it's going to be for reps, it's going to be for time. You're going to be head-to-head if it's a medley. But typically, when you're looking at the type of event you're usually going to have a deadlift a press a load like a stone or something a carry event and then potentially a flipping or pulling event whether you're harnessed in or you're flipping tires or you're doing arm over arm pull um, actually to you but those are usually the typical ones that you're going to see And then that's where strongman gets to be really fun. Um, I've got a few competitions coming up and trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to periodize my program and prepare for it is crazy. And I definitely don't take my own advice as well as I'd like to, especially when I'm trying to put together a program like I would ask my athletes to put trust in me. So trying to piece together three competitions in the span of six months or whatever it ends up being um, with five or six completely different events makes it challenging, but it also makes it fun because you know, hey, when I'm done with this and I get to do the competition, I have my deload week, whatever it ends up being, the next one I have is completely different. So it puts you at a disadvantage because now you got to prepare, but it's also fun because now you don't have to worry about some of the other events and you can start working on preparing for the next ones, which does make it completely interesting. But yeah, usually, usually the constructs of a competition will follow those sort of movement patterns. And then the implement, uh, the manner at which you guys are actually competing, that's where it starts to get changed more and more. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I will say that the cool thing about it is that everybody that competes is on the same level. From what I understand, just from watching documentaries or YouTube videos of the strongman, strongman that I follow, that they're all in the same playing field, that they have that, I forgot what the exact term for it is, but where they're introduced to the implements for the competition, but everybody's on that same playing field. So they're all trying to figure those things out in terms of how, what's the best technique, how, where should I uh, start this, all those types of items, everybody's on the same playing field, hypothetically. Yeah, Uh, hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's a good segue though, into when you're talking about your own training for it because that's probably another question that a lot of strength coaches will have is what training phase should I be implementing? Or can you see some good benefit when you're implementing strongman events? Yeah, for me, for me and for anybody that's actually competing in the sport, it's going to be vastly different than how you're implementing them with your athletes or in a team setting. Um, Like I said, for me, I'm training specifically for strongman. So I need to get my hands on the implements, preferably as often as possible. It's just training for those is is kind of difficult, even when, like for me, I have access to my own storage unit that has all my equipment in it. And then I also have access to a 10,000 square foot varsity college athletic weight room. But at the same time, to train strongman, even in those settings, is difficult to do often. Um, in terms of actually doing it into a team setting, I have specific points in time in the year where I like to implement them with my teams, and it varies from team to team. Um, honestly, based off either their training experience, uh, the benefit that I think that they are going to get out of it, th- basically the team bought in um, in terms of training, I'm probably not going to implement a lot of strongman variations into a program for a team that only trains once a week in season and maybe two times a week or kind of skip sessions during the year. If that's the case, I'm, I'm going to have to get some of my foundational movements in. And uh, like we said, a lot of moving events and stuff like that for us takes up a lot of space. So I want to be able to teach athletes and get the bit, most bang for my buck. So that is sometimes where we are able to add it in but not at the same variety that we need to. I need to make sure they're healthy again. So we have to do a lot of preventative stuff and teams like that, honestly, you're just trying to keep them healthy, get them in, get them out and, and have a good warm up in place, a good cool down in place and build some general strength. But for the teams that actually are involved a lot more, which I'm happy to say are, the, are my teams, they, they're bought into the process, they like to train, we can implement it a lot. So the majority of the time, I'd say that where we put the most of strongman training and implementing it within a team setting is in that off-season developmental period where we're farther away from competition and we're allocated a lot more time to specifically strength and conditioning before we get closer to preseason and in-season where practice and games are taken front and center. So, like, for example, baseball, we pretty much all fall season during our developmental period use strongman as conditioning, as core, and like the Omaha Challenge as a competitive component. Lacrosse, 
Um, we do it pre-fall ball before they actually start playing. They have like five games in the fall where they're allowed to compete, including the alumni game. So we do it pre-fall um, as their a teaching tool and core. So a lot of like farmers carries, front rack carries, zercher carries, overhead carries, stuff like that. And again, we dial it back so that it's functional core training and they're moving and they're learning to brace. And then we do it at the post fall ball after their competitive season before they leave and get ready for preseason. And that's when for lacrosse, we add some competition element and keep doing it as core. And volleyball is very similar to lacrosse just flip that over to the spring season because we're playing our matches in the fall. And then wrestling, wrestling's kind of the fun one too, because we use it as a teaching tool. They're a combative sport. So conditioning with them is going to be heavy, intense, variety, brutal all the time, whatever it ends up being. So we use it a lot in the developmental season but we also use it a lot preseason and in season because it doesn't beat them up so much. We don't deadlift a lot or press a lot as a strongman variation for them, but we do a lot of carries, a lot of conditioning, even some primary exercises in their training block for them almost year round in some aspects because mm. just of the nature of the sport, they need to be able to be strong. They need to be quick. They need to do it in short burst, but they have short rest intervals and they need to do whole body training all the time. And the three-dimensional movement for them, all that multiplanar, being able to have good grip strength with farmer's carries and be able to um, get under hooks on an opponent and actually grab and hold on to a long period of time. We do that with the sandbags, being able to brace and have someone pushed against you. If you haven't wrestled or done any jujitsu or any combat sports like that, um, then you don't really understand the importance of it. But mm -hmm. being able to hold on to an object that's unforgiving in a weird position that shifts like a, um, like a sandbag or a chain yoke or zercher where the, the implement is constantly moving and fighting against you, not just on a single bar makes huge strides with the guys and and they i think that's one of the big reasons the buy-in that helps them because it mimics their sport without mm -hmm. being all right let's do just more wrestling as conditioning more wrestling as conditioning they should be at a high intensity during practice that this is a supplementary thing that we use so mm -hmm. it you can use it all all season round it just depends on the team and where you actually want to Put this into your program but each team like i said we use at different points in time for different training effects and for different purposes i like that i like that and I like how you broke down each sport and it kind of does segue very nicely into our next topic and whenever i think about the specificity of sport as literally i'll say my whole graduate program just constantly writing about the specificity of sport. And it's probably because my emphasis was in sport performance. But uh, with Strongman, I think that the way that you described it, how you just described it, it really, it, it makes sense. And I think that it's the, you know, and this is not to talk too negatively about the, the coaches and whatnot. And I think that that is probably 
one of the biggest barriers someone like yourself, a strength coach will have with implementing some of this is with the coach. What can you share some of your experiences maybe with the conversations or even how you frame it in order to hold, I'll say the term that you used sell them on strongman training. Yeah. I, I've definitely had those conversations with coaches before and even athletes too, that either have come up, especially now, nowadays, AAU basketball, pop Warner football, like all the seven on seven stuff, all the travel ball for every single team. I'm sure you've seen it as well with some of the athletes that you've worked at the high school setting. Not only are they playing high school, but they're playing club sports. They're trying to train. They're mm -hmm. going batting practice. They're taking thousands of extra reps with their parents or their friends, which is great in an aspect. But I mean, we don't have to get in. I don't want to get into the whole subject of training for one specific sport too, which is probably the death of a lot of youth sports at the moment too. But in terms of sports specificity and having those conversations with coaches, um, for the most part, it's meeting the coaches where they are and the conversations we have are, they want to see their athletes be better athletically so that they have a better athlete to work with that they can mold into the specific sport they're playing. So they understand and what I have to relay to them is what we do in the weight room is not specifically sport specific. When you want to get into the sport specific stuff, we're talking about maybe preventative things that common injuries that come up within the sport or with that individual athlete or the metabolic conditioning, our work to rest ratios, our movement patterns, our metabolic plays, the duration, um, our game schedule. That stuff is where you start to get more sport specific, quote unquote. Um, in terms of what I do, everything I do as a strength coach is essentially GPP work. It's all general physical preparation. Everything we're doing is trying to make them stronger, more resilient, healthier, quicker, more resilient athletes. Athletes at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the sport. Um, but then once you start to actually break down what you're going to implement into your program and how you're going to implement it, that's where you start to start to see more specifics, whether it be the less, the least amount of pressing that I do with my baseball athletes, just because of the nature of the sport and them throwing and with my pitchers, the amount of rowing and horizontal movements we need to do rather than too much overdevelopment of their lats because of just the throwing motion and um, them swinging too. Like why, why would I overdo the amount of rotational reps in the weight room or on the field when I know that they're going to go to the cage and hit a thousand more swings from their right side just before practice even starts. So I want to work on basically doing the opposite movements of what they do. And that's where it starts to get sports specific. So like baseball, we do a lot of anti-rotation, a lot of anti-core stuff. And that's where uh, strongman stuff comes into big play with doing some um, like suitcase carries and only carrying overhead on one side to work on the stability so that they can balance both sides because they're a very asymmetrical sport. Um, 
but in terms of like the correlation of sport and everything, it's, I think it's highly beneficial. And like we mentioned before, the multi-planar elements, um, the odd objects, the being able to push objects in space, pull, uh, pull something, brace and co-contract muscles quickly, maximally in all directions. All right. That's my version of sports specific. That's, that's what I want to see out of them. Um, and like we said before, with all the benefits that you're seeing from implementing strongman or implementing a well-structured, well-thought-out and properly periodized program, it's going to be GPP. And then you just kind of plug and play a little bit of the flakes of what's unique to that sport. And I mean, if you take a volleyball athlete, you take a lacrosse athlete, I work with those are my female sports. So obviously you have to think about the um, female athlete triad. You have to think about their cue angles and the amount of ACL injuries that are prevalent in both those sports from either jumping, decelerating, um, having contact in some regard. Like what are you going to do to prepare them specifically? Because I don't see those same type of injuries quite as often in my wrestlers or in my baseball athletes. But I see a lot more shoulder injuries in volleyball and wrestling and baseball but those three are completely different the the causes of injury and overuse and those chronic things that build up with them are still different so that's where you start getting i think into the sports specificity of all that stuff um but before like we talked about um the majority of the team sports that i work with are team sports aside from wrestling, even though it has its own team aspect to it. So adding um, strongman and adding some of these elements into <laughs> their training gives them the opportunity to kind of be an individual. And I think on the same lines as sports specificity, you also have to think individual specificity. All right, does this person have some injury concerns, a track record, of issues in a certain area and that's where i think that a program starts to differ more than anything else um you can't just putting a band on a golf club doesn't make it sports specific and it most of the sports specific stuff that you kind of see as that buzzword is most likely deteriorating them and detracting from the innate abilities that they already have being successful at their sport and it's not necessarily benefiting them. And it, I, I think it really is a hindrance more than anything else. So I dig it. Yeah, I agree too. I think that sometimes oh, coaches, parents, athletes, they see stuff on social media, they see stuff on TV and they all oh, like that athletes doing that. Okay. I need to go do that. Or they think that they have to jump a million right. times to get a higher vertical and really you know, you don't, in my opinion. But um, I think that's a good segue too into our podcast takeaways for the day. So what I was thinking would be great for the listeners for this episode is to give your top two go-to strongman, I'll say events, exercises, and the equipment and where to get it. I think that's also the, the key piece of it, where they can get it. Just because I know that myself, I've been doing a little research because I want to get some sandbags. 
I've been looking on Amazon, but I know that the company that you've posted on social media is different than that. So where they can get it as well is a key piece of this podcast takeaway. Oh, yeah. Mm, to narrow it down, <laughs> that's always hard. But because I, I, I think you've seen I have a pretty enormous collection. And at this point in time, it's in three different places. I've got... I've got stuff at my apartment. I have a storage unit that's overflowing and I have equipment under my desk, by my desk, everything at work, which I know some people think is an <laughs> eyesore, but I think it's awesome. So that's what it ends up being. Um, <clears throat> if I was going to narrow it down to two things and trying to incorporate strongman into anyone's training, uh, the two would be the prowler, which is, the best sled by far and there's a bunch of different versions of them but the number one tool for conditioning for pulling the most versatile thing is that um, elite fts is the one that i have and it's the one i've been using forever i've i've seen a lot of mimicked ones i've broken um i've broken two random ones that have tried to copy their design broken it into smithereens so theirs is the best one elite fts is prowler 2.0 i think is the is the most up-to-date one there's some other ones with bells and whistles on it too which is something i'm gonna get later down the line and actually put uh, the uh, harness on top of it so i can actually push without my hands almost like the uh the last arnold event which was a was it mm -hmm. Conan's uh, the wheel of pain? <laughs> that's what I want to get. That's uh that's in my cart next. Um, <clears throat> and then the second, the second biggest mm -hmm. one are sandbags. Um, obviously you can, if you're, if you're balling on a budget, you can go get a military duffel bag or you can fill anything up um, as long as it's decent and carry it. But, you won't be able to throw it or, or implement it the right way or have the same texture and compactness that you would from a real good one. And the big, my favorite ones are Cerberus strengths and they are, they're basically double ply. They are thick Kevlar essentially, and they're zipper sealed inside sealed, folded up, double layered on top Velcro and they're pretty much indestructible i have i have four i have five four or five now and those are great for everything over over the shoulders cleans um overhead presses carries zercher carries um one arm carries anything and they're great for other stuff too because you can load them up um you can squat with them you can carry them you can honestly i've used them for everything they helped me pop my ribs back in when I, when that has happened. That's been a fun injury. Um, but those two, those two are always in my arsenal. And those are the first two that I would go to. So elite FTS is Prowler and Cerberus strengths, uh, sandbags. I dig it. I dig it. The funny thing that I thought of when you mentioned the, the Prowler is one of the first things that I ever quote unquote built. And I say quote unquote built is that I built this with a handsaw. And so I built a prowler for when I was running a boot camp years ago. And since I used a handsaw, because I didn't have the proper tools yet, that I'll say parts of it did not line up properly. 
But did it work? Yes. Did it work for the purposes that I wanted to with the boot camp and doing pushes, pulls? Sometimes I would connect a suspension trainer to do uh, rows with it. Yeah, it worked. But uh, investing in a high quality one can definitely make a difference. I know that the gyms that I've been to that have them, you know, the variety that they have is amazing and you can use them in, in just a great way for your for your program. So Nick, before we sign off, can you give the listeners uh, your social media profiles, ways to contact you? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm not as active on some of them as I, I probably should be, but um, <clears throat> Instagram and Twitter, you can follow me. It's a uh, underscore N underscore OB. Um, and I'm on both of those. And then coachobrien.com is the other one along with my YouTube page, which is, I don't even remember the name, but if you search coach O'Brien, it should come up. It's been a little bit iffy. I've had that thing forever. And then, um, yeah, coach O'Brien, there's some new stuff coming down mm -hmm. the line, which you're kind of aware of. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll, we'll have it sorted out. So, but you can find more information at those and, and uh, that new new stuff will be posted hopefully shortly. But yeah, any any questions anybody has, feel free to reach out. Um, my email too is uh, n o'brien at csufresno.edu. So if anybody has any follow up questions or or wants to reach out or or has comments or or hate towards me you fire off on any of those and, and I'll get back to you soon. Nick, always a pleasure. I'm glad that we were able to connect on this setting. Um, you know, we're friends outside of this, so it's good that uh, we'll be seeing, hopefully, each other in the near future. Thank you again, brother. I hey, appreciate it, man. Thanks again.